Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. It is good to be back in Texas. Just saying. Good to be back in Texas. What an honor to be here at Milestone Church, and what an amazing church. You know, I got to spend uh, last night uh, here with you guys at the conference and today, and just, I've been blessed and encouraged so much by so much of the content and the conversations, and by uh, Pastor Jeff and Brandy, and just a remarkable thing that God is doing here, and it's been an honor to just be a part of it uh, today and get a little glimpse into it. Pastor Jeff, Brandy, I I just love to say a word to you, if I can. Um, It's been a heck of a couple years. It's been hard on church leaders, y'all. I know we have some church leaders in the room. I know it's been hard on everybody, but it's been hard on church leaders. And when I meet great church leaders who build great kingdom-minded churches, who stand in the gap for their people and shepherd their people and point them to Jesus. I'm always so inspired, and I want to say to you both, thank you. Thank you. Hang on. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for not quitting when you wanted to quit. Thank you for hitting your knees and interceding for your people and your city and your community Thank you for leveraging money and resources for the poor and for those who are hurting and for church plants. Even when you weren't sure God was going to bring money and resources back into the ministry that you desperately needed. Thank you for continuing to point people to Jesus and for doing it faithfully over all these years. And may God bless you over many, many years to come as you serve him I send you, I bring you love and, uh, and gratitude as a pastor, and I'm thankful for the way you guys lead. You don't, hey, look, not every pastor and, uh, and leader are great pastors and leaders over a long time under a lot of pressure, and these guys have done it remarkably well. Let's give them some love and honor. Well, I bring you greetings from Las Vegas. Uh, there are Christians <laughs> and churches in Las Vegas. Just we should probably start there. People are always like, what's it like to, to live in Las Vegas? Well, it's kind of like living, living anywhere else uh, until it's not. <laughs> I'm an Amarillo, Texas kid uh, in my roots. My, both my wife and I were born and raised in uh, Amarillo, Texas. I went to college in the Dallas area. So we never thought we would raise our kids in Las Vegas of all places. I remember we pulled up to a stop sign once and uh, we're driving our little minivan and my uh, son and daughter were in the back seat. My uh, son was seven years old, my daughter was about nine and, and at the stop sign there was a billboard in front of us and on this billboard it said the hits are back and it was the backsides of all these women in string bikinis. You know, the hits are back. And we just pulled up to the stop sign. It's just another day in Vegas. And my seven-year-old son, as innocently as he could, says out loud to his sister, he says, Emma, which naked girl is your favorite? (laughs) He says, mine's the one with brown hair. And my wife turned around with that mama bear look in her eyes, and she said, Ethan, 
we do not have favorite naked girls. <laughs> Just naked girls, no favorites, right? <laughs> but uh, we love it. It's been a great journey. We have been there. Um, we're in our 19th year now serving in Las Vegas, and uh, we're very thankful. Look, love the place you're called and love the calling you have, not the calling you thought you'd have. Right? And love the family you have, not the ones you wished you'd have. <laughs> but we're grateful. A while back, I was uh, walking with a friend of mine in uh, Caesar's Palace. It was kind of for us just like a, like a big mall, you know, and we're just sort of walking along. We just had lunch, and uh, he did something I'd never seen anybody do before or since. We're, we're walking along, and we're, we're talking. He's actually mid-sentence. He's even mid-word. I'm, I'm literally looking at his mouth as he's talking, and as he's mid-word, he just threw up. I mean, no warning, no like, hey, you know, I'm not feeling so well, something could be, but he's like, anyway, and I don't even know what you do when somebody just throws up mid-word. You know, I'm a sympathetic vomiter. So anyway, so, so this happened, and, and, and we just kept walking, because I'm in shock. I said, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I feel, I feel a little better now. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you weren't feeling well to begin with. I said, well, there's some, there's some restrooms back the other way. You know, we could turn around and go back and, you know, kind of get cleaned up and all that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And so we turn around. We're about 15 feet past the scene of the crime at this point, And we're not even really thinking. There's people all around. It's packed. And so we turn around and we get in the flow of the people walking the other way. And about the time we get sort of positioned, I look up and I see this woman like in slow motion walk right into the middle of the mess. And there was nothing I could do. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't, you know, it was like, it's like the Matrix. And all of a sudden, both her feet fly up in the air. And she goes right down on her backside. It was as bad as you think it was. I'm helping you because you're fasting. And we walk up, we get about level with that scene and she's sitting there and her friends come up next to her and they're, they're helping her get up on her feet and she says, what's this? And I'm like, oh, you don't even, you don't even wanna go there, right? And I'm like wanting to say something, wanting to help out and then my friend, he's about ready to go again and I'm a sympathetic vomiter and I'm like, we just kept right on walking, man. We just gotta keep going, bro. I gotta get you to the restroom. But, but I tell you that story because that's what the last two years have kind of felt like, right? Like we're just walking along we didn't ask for a mess. We don't want a mess. We don't want, we, we got, we, all of a sudden we're all in a mess and we're going, what is this? What can I believe? What's true? What's not true? What's happening in our country? What is going on in our world? All of a sudden it's messy and crazy. And that's life sometimes. And I don't know what 2022 will hold for us, but as we pray and as we prepare and as we look forward and believe that God will move and work, I can promise you it will likely be messy. It will likely be messy. 
But there is a way we can be prepared to go into the new year with focus and resolve and hope deep in our hearts. And I want to talk to you very simply tonight about how we can keep that focus grounded on Jesus, the one who will not disappoint, and how no matter what your dreams are and what your plans are, if we will put our eyes on him, he will see us through every storm, every mess, every difficulty. He'll see us through the variant after the variant and the variant after the variant after the variant and the variant after the variant after the variant. He's going to see us through another election cycle. He's going to see us through the future of our country. He's going to, here's what I'll tell you, no matter how hard things get or no matter how bad things get, the church always thrives in difficult circumstances and situations. The church of Jesus Christ always rises when we focus on him. In fact, the book of Revelation is a book that a lot of people think about from an end times standpoint. A lot of people want to go to the book of Revelation and just debate, when's Jesus coming back? What are the signs? And what about Russia? You know, like, well, you know, we go, we go into all these things, right, with the, with the book of Revelation. But you know, the point of the book of Revelation was actually not that. The point of the book of Revelation was it was written to a group of believers around 90 AD who were in a mess. And things were crazy in the world. They'd heard the rumors. Paul had been martyred and killed for his faith. Peter had been martyred and killed for his faith. John had been exiled to Patmos, basically under house arrest. Sporadic persecution was beginning to lash out against the Christians. Some of them were losing possessions. Some of them were, 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 were paying a significant price for their faith. And some people are starting to wonder, where is God in all of this? What is God doing? Why is this happening? What, why are we facing all of this mess and craziness? I don't know if you wondered that over the last almost two years, but a lot of people have. Where is God? in the midst of all this craziness. And here's what's beautiful about the book of Revelation. Don't be scared by the book of Revelation. There's a lot in Revelation that we can debate, and it's prophetic, and sometimes it's hard to understand. But the overall point of Revelation is that Jesus came in that environment and gave a personal message to his church to remind them that in the mess and the craziness that he was still large and in charge and that he was on the throne. And it can be a reminder for us today going into a new year to keep our eyes focused on him and to hang on to him. So I just want to look with you, if it's okay, at the first chapter of the book of Revelation and talk a little bit about what it means for us in our lives to focus on Jesus. And if I was going to summarize the book of Revelation, it would just be this. Jesus wins. Jesus wins, and we can share in his victory. We can share in it. Here's a revelation, chapter one, beginning in verse one. It says, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John. And so from the very beginning, we see that it's a revelation from or a revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is first and foremost a message from the risen Jesus about the risen Jesus. 
It's not revelations, by the way. Singular revelation. Just saying. Jesus wins, and through faith, we can share in his victory. First thing we can do to make 2022 a great year is simply focus on Jesus. Just focus on Jesus. You know, several years ago, I worked out at uh, this YMCA, and it was a pretty rundown YMCA. I know you, you, know, you have your really nice, kind of new YMCAs, but you also have your sort of hole-in-the-wall YMCAs, and, and this was one of those. And I would go at noon, and there weren't a lot of people there, which is why I liked it, and I'd go down into the, the, the weight room, which was like this basement room with a low ceiling, and, and there was always like one guy in there working out at the same time that I was. And I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I could talk to the guy because he looked really grumpy, and he was a professional bodybuilder kind of guy. He was huge, right? So, you know, I'm I wasn't just going to be like, hey, man, what's up? I just kind of stayed over there with my 15-pound weights and, you know, tried not to make noise, right? And he would do his thing. And, and this went on for a few weeks. And then I remember one day he looked over at me and goes, hey, could you, uh, could, you, could you spot me on the bench press? And I remember being like, anybody else here? Okay, what do you say? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll spot you. Sure. So we get on the bench press. Now he loads the weight up, you know, because he's going for max reps. And so he puts a crazy amount of weight on this bar. And I remember when he, when he lifts the bar up, I, I thought I could see the bar maybe bend just a little bit. I'm like, whoa, you know, it's, it's insane. And he gets out and he goes down for one rep and he gets a full rep in, but, but then he gets greedy. He goes for two, you know, and he goes down to get the second one. He gets about halfway up and he stops and he says, a little help here. No, 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 let me just say, when you're spotting somebody, you're, you're standing behind them. They're like laying down. And so, you know, their, their, their face would be like right here. And, and they're, they've got the bar like this and they're going to push it up. And I'm supposed to just step in right now. You know, I'm supposed to grab, you know, the bar with, with uh, one hand under and one hand over. I'm supposed to keep my back straight if I can and use my legs. Come on, y'all. And I'm supposed to help him get that bar up and get it on the rest. Right. So I jump in and I'm like, OK, yeah, you know, the problem was I pulled as hard as I could and the bar didn't move and I'm like huh. and I look down at him and his veins are popping out of his neck you know and he's he's like little help and I'm like Bleh. you know and at one point I literally looked at the guy and I said that's all I got I can go get somebody real quick can you just hold it and he gave me this look like, I am going to end you. And then he did this move that professional weightlifters kind of know how to do. It's risky, but, you know, a lot of times you could break a wrist or break a rib, but what else is he going to do at this moment, you know? And so this is why you don't, uh, you don't put collars on the, on the weight when you're bench pressing, right? So, so he's sitting there. He's got the weight about halfway up. And all of a sudden, he moves over on the bench and slides and just drops the right side. And it goes, the bar goes all the way down and hits the side of the bench. And he holds his left hand up just enough that the weights slide off. When the weights slide off and hit the ground, now at lightning speed, the bar flies the other way. He slides over this way. The bar hits the, the, uh, the bench on this side. The weights fall off that side. And it was just like, bam, bam. Then he stands up and throws the bar across the gym. And he turns around and looks at me. And I'm thinking, 
it happened in an old YMCA. That's where, <laughs> that's where I died. And he says, we're gonna work out together. And I said, yes, sir. What else do you say, right? We're gonna work out together. He says, meet me here tomorrow at noon. We're gonna work out together. And I'm gonna show you how to spot somebody. Yes, sir. So we start working out together every day at noon. And uh, this guy became a great friend of mine over that season. And he worked me out so hard. I mean, he got his revenge, no lie. And when he found out I was a pastor, well, he wasn't a follower of Jesus yet, so he, he loved that. You know, he'd, be, he'd get me like all completely maxed out. He'd be like, give me three more if you really love Jesus. Do it for Jesus. Prove your faith, son. I'd be doing like dips, and he'd be like, you know, seven's the perfect number in the Bible. Give me seven more on the dip. I'm like, you don't know anything about that. Would you Google that? He worked me out so hard that after the workout was over, I go out to my car and I couldn't get my keys in the door of my car because my arms were so wobbly. You know, and I'm just like trying to fling my, my key into the, into the slot. No lie, at night, I remember one night I said, Lori, would you brush my teeth? I cannot lift my arms. He just took me to the end of myself. But here's the deal, after three months of that, I was in pretty good shape. Probably the best shape of my life. I was looking pretty good. Because some things had to break down before I could get built back up. And I want you to think about this. Sometimes God allows us to be brought to the end of ourselves so that we will focus on him again and look to him and depend on him so that he can build us back up. I think the last two years God has allowed us to go through all of this to be brought to the end of ourselves yet. And sometimes I look around and wonder, I'm not sure we've learned our lesson yet. There may still be a road to go, but Here's what I can tell you. If God brings us to the end of ourselves, the result of that will be beautiful if we will focus on him and look up to him because he will build us back up stronger. He will build us back up stronger. In fact, uh, when you look at the book of Revelation, you see this. Revelation chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 4, it says this, Grace and peace to you from the one who is uh, who always was and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead. And here it is, my favorite title for Jesus in all the Bible and the ruler of all the kings of the world. I mean, that's a cool, you know, I mean, I know wrestlers have their names and, you know, boxers have their nicknames, but dude, what's your well, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of all the world. Sit down, son. <laughs> and this is written in a time when the king had absolute authority. You know, today when we think of authority, we think of like branches. You got the federal government. You got local government. You think of like media and the arts and all these different realms of society. And, but 
But in the ancient world, the king was over all of that. It was absolute authority and power. And here Jesus is reminding his people and reminding us today who are in the middle of crazy, in the middle of a mess, that he is the ruler of the kings of the world the ruler of the kings of the world, that he is large and in charge and that he can be trusted. It says he's the faithful witness. He's the first to rise from the dead, not chronologically as others had risen, but in a sense of preeminence. He's the premier one. And because of who he is, you and I have every right to be optimistic. When it comes to followers of Jesus, Nobody should have more hope and optimism in their hearts than we do because we serve the ruler of the kings of the world. This is a great book came out years ago by Martin Seligman. Uh, it's called Learned Optimism. And uh, it's interesting because he talks about explanatory styles that people have when they face situations in their lives. And one of the, uh, if he's being real simplistic, some people tend to explain things that happen in their lives in a negative sense, and other people tend to explain things that happen in their lives in a positive sense. What Seligman talks about is that, hey, these are learned behaviors. People learn to view certain situations negatively or positively. And so, you know, he breaks down the negative explanatory style this way. He says, um, people that explain things negatively, they see things as permanent, as pervasive, and as personal. In other words, maybe you apply for a job and, and uh, you know, you, you don't get the job, and so you think, man, it's permanent. They will never hire me. And then you think it's, it's pervasive, like no one will ever hire me. And then you think it's personal because I'm a loser. And that negative explanatory cycle starts to run its course, you know? And we could go through a whole myriad of situations where we tend to do this. But people who've learned optimism can face the same situation and they explain it to themselves totally different. First of all, they see the, the situation not as permanent but as changeable. Well, they didn't hire me this time, but maybe they'll hire me another time. You know, anything could happen, right? And, it, and it's specific, they, they, didn't, they didn't hire me, but there are lots of other companies out there, maybe they'll hire me, right? And then it's, it's situational. It's not that I'm a loser. Maybe they just found somebody that was a better fit for their company or somebody that had more experience. Maybe they wanted to hire somebody in-house, and so they hired them in-house. But the difference between how an optimist and how a pessimist explains things to themselves is pretty extreme as far as, as, far as that gap. And optimists across all the research are happier, they do better in life, they keep going, they can take a no, and they just keep moving forward. And I show you all this because if Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the world, I have every right to have a positive explanatory style for every situation I face. No matter how bad it is, I know that God can change it. I know that God can move in it. I know that God can show up in it. No matter what I'm going through, it may be this specific situation, but maybe I wasn't supposed to have that job. Maybe God's got another job for me. In fact, I'm believing God's got a job. Maybe if I got that job, I would have been miserable to begin with. 
right? And, and it's, it's situational. God, what God does in my life today, he may have a different step for me in the future, but I'm gonna receive it for what it is today. If he's the ruler of the kings of the earth, in 2022, no matter what I face, I can have a positive, hopeful, explanatory style towards myself and my life because Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the world. He's the ruler, and here's what that means for us in our lives. It means when we're weak, he's our strength. It means when we're lost, he's our guide. It means when we're helpless, he's our helper. It means when we're sick, he's our healer. When we don't know the way, he is the way. When we're attacked, he's our shield. When we're trapped, he's our deliverer. When we're out of resources, he's our provider. When we're scared, he's our defender. When we're broken, he binds up our wounds. When we're alone, he's our champion. When we're angry, he's our calm. When we hit rock bottom, he's our bedrock. When we're attacked, he's our advocate. When we sin, he's our forgiver. When we're afraid, he's our encourager. When we want to give up, he helps us rise up. When we fail, he's our victory. When we panic, he's our peace. When we're depressed, he's our hope. When we can't see, he's our light. When we don't know what to do, he's our refuge. When we're overwhelmed, he's our anchor. When we're exhausted, he's our strength. When we're frustrated, he's our answer. When we've lost direction, he's our purpose. When we hit a dead end, he's our fresh start. And when we think life is all over, he he is the resurrection and the life. Focus on him. You have every right to have hope deep in your heart going into 2022 because you have a king who is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. Focus on Jesus. Here's another thought, and that is share in Jesus' victory. Share in Jesus' victory. You know, I had one memorable high school play in football. Pastor Jeff, I don't know, you know how your high school football career was, but mine was forgettable. <laughs> and uh, I pretty much sat on the bench, y'all. I, I loved it. I love football, but I just, I'm really slow, like really slow. And so I just sat on the bench pretty much the whole time. You know, I was the guy that had a great attitude and never got on the field, you know. <laughs> but we had one, one play. And uh, on this particular play, it was like, literally, it was the fourth quarter. We were losing. We were down by three points. Uh, we had to kick the ball back to the other team. The other team got the ball. They're at around their 20-yard line, starting to drive, and there's hardly any time left on the clock. And so we were kind of out of hope on our sideline. We're like, we lost. It's over. You know, the game's over. And um, one of the defensive um, linemen got injured. And there was nobody left, like the bench was empty, you know, and so the coach kind of did a double, t double take, and, you know, Will Height's the only one over there, and uh, so he's like, Will Height! And I remember sitting there, to this day I can remember it, and I'm like, what, what's happening? <laughs> and he, he said these words that he never said, you're in. And I literally was, I couldn't find my helmet. Where, where's my helmet? Where's my helmet? <laughs> I mean, I don't go in the games. I just hang out with the team. I got my helmet, I went running in like a doofus. I took my place on the line, I didn't even play that position, but there was nobody left, you know, it's just like, just do it. Snapped the ball, and one of my buddies broke through the line and sacks the quarterback, amazing. And the quarterback fumbles the ball. The ball starts bouncing 
towards their end zone, or what would be our score, right? It's bouncing towards the end zone, and I start, like Forrest Gump, I start running after the ball. And I'm not fast enough to get to the ball, but my other teammate passes me, and he jumps on the ball, and it bounces, it shoots out of his hands, and it fly, it arcs towards the end zone, and so I just keep running. And that ball bounced, and it bounced, and it literally, and I'm not exaggerating, y'all, it bounced into my hands, and I stopped. And I was standing in the end zone. And we won the game. It was my only play, man. It only happened once. My coach, who didn't even know what to do with me, ran all the way out and picked me up physically. It was like Forrest Gump got a break. And we won that game. But I think about that story because that is a picture of grace. Grace means you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And when it comes to Jesus and his victory in our lives, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we didn't do anything to accomplish it. You were loved before the foundation of the world. God thought of you, called your name, loved you. He sent Christ to die for you, to redeem you, to secure your salvation, and you just found yourself standing in the end zone. In fact, that's what we see in Revelation. Check this out. Book of Revelation, chapter one, verse five, it says this. All glory to him, all glory to him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. Now, priest was a big deal in the Old Testament culture. That was an honored position. They, they were seen to have direct access to God. And now we too are a kingdom of priests. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. We get to share in Jesus' victory. And when you go into 2022, no matter what you face, I want to encourage you to remember every day that you've already won because Jesus already won, that you are already a victor. In fact, if you go on to Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, what Jesus says to the church at Pergamum is interesting. He says this, I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Now that white stone is kind of fascinating because um, in, in the ancient world there were some athletic competitions that didn't just give trophies or wreaths when somebody won. They would actually give the victor a white stone. And the white stone was, would like get you into places. You'd get, like, get into the free buffet on Saturday night because you had the white stone. You, know, you could pull it out at the door and be like, <laughs> I'm a victor. And you get let in to the space and Jesus is saying, look, I give you a white stone and a name, a new name that no one will understand except the one who receives it. And I, I really don't know what that's about, except we're going to get it one day. But here's what I do know. You already have a new identity. You already have 
a new name, if you will, in Jesus Christ. You already share in his victory. In fact, I read through the entire New Testament and I just wrote down everywhere the Bible says you are. And so I'm gonna fly over the New Testament with you. We're gonna go 50,000 feet. And this is, this, this is all the things that the New Testament says you are. Well, there's probably more than this, but when I wasn't distracted. <laughs> you are Jesus' followers. You are Jesus' friends. You are children of God. You are children of light. You are members of God's family. You are holy and blameless, standing before God without a single fault. You are God's people. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You are branches that bear fruit. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are living stones in God's temple. You are holy priests. You're a holy nation. You are a chosen people. You are God's workers. You are Christ's ambassadors. You are living stones in God's temple. I said that. You are true ministers of God united with Christ. You are a part of his body living by the spirit. You are God's masterpiece. You are the faithful ones meant for better things. You are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. You are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. You are heirs of God's glory and you are set free from slavery to sin. You are truly free. That's who the New Testament says you are. So no matter what happens in 2022, it's going to be a good year. Because I already can focus on Jesus, the ruler of the kings of the earth. I already have every right to be optimistic about the challenges I'll face in my life. And I can already share in his victory. And the third thing Revelation is going to challenge us with is this. Look forward to Jesus' return. Look forward to Jesus' return. Let me share with you some lyrics to a popular song a few years ago goes like this. I stay out too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm. Mm. That's what people say. Mm. Mm. I go on too many dates, but I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. Mm. Mm. That's what people say. Because mm. mm. the players are going to play, 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 play. And the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Baby. I'm just gonna shake, shake, <laughs> shake, shake, shake it off, shake it off. You know, the world is full of players, it's full of haters, it's full of heartbreakers and fakers, and you're gonna encounter them in 2022. On CNN, on Fox, in life, everywhere you go. But that's not bad wisdom from Miss Taylor Swift. Because the best thing we can do this year is just shake it off. 
to shake it off. And how do you shake it off? How do you keep going? How do you stay focused on your purpose and your calling and the task God has put before you? You look forward to Jesus' return and you lift your eyes above the headlines to the king of the headlines. You lift your eyes above the pandemic to the king of the pandemic. You lift your eyes above the situation to the one who is over all of it and you look forward to his return. And that's what we see right here. Revelation chapter one, verse seven, uh, it says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, and amen. He comes with the clouds. We're to look forward to his return. It's in the present tense, making us uh, realize that Jesus' return is imminent. It says the nations will mourn for him. Mourn is literally a term that means to cut. It referred to sort of the ancient rite that some would take of cutting themselves when they were in extreme grief. And, and maybe some will mourn because of their sins and turn to God, but most will mourn for the judgment that comes with Jesus to those who reject him. I mean, in Jesus' first coming, he came to earth as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. But when he comes again, he'll be a conquering king. When he first came, it was in obscurity. But when he comes again, everyone will see. When he first came, he was the humble savior of our sins. But in his second coming, he returns as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In his first coming, he was kind and humble and meek. In his second coming, he is the conquering king. In his first coming, he rode into Jerusalem on a simple donkey. In his return, he's described as coming on a white horse to bring judgment and justice and peace to the world. And finally then, things will be set right. And finally then, all of our hopes and dreams will be fulfilled in him. And friends, we don't have to wait for that day. We can lift our eyes and focus on his return even now and live with that sense of immediacy. We don't know the day or the hour, but each day we can live in faith that Christ could return and it could be today. And we need to be ready in how we live and how we navigate our lives. You know, one of the things I went through in this past season in my life that really reminded me of what matters most was losing my father. My father was a born and bred Texas man. He um, was born in poverty, didn't have anything, literally could remember like growing beans in the alley so they'd have food to eat. He remembered they, they made uh, little wooden toys, he and his brothers, and exchanged them for Christmas because there was no money for gifts. At 17, he lied about his age, as so many did in his generation, and joined the military to go serve in World War II. So he served uh, in the army in World War II, went all the way up into Germany, fought in the Battle of the Bulge, saw all kinds of you know, stories that marked him for the rest of his life. And he came back to America, and he fell in love with this girl that he, you know, my dad would put it this way, you know, a lot of times the railroad tracks, uh, especially in smaller communities, will divide, uh, you know, the haves and the have-nots. My dad would always say, you know, I, I was from the side of the tracks that, that had not, but your mom was from the side of the tracks that had. 
And he fell in love with this girl and asked her to marry him and her dad wasn't very happy about it. But she said yes. On his first wedding anniversary, he only had a nickel to his name. And so he bought her all he could afford, which was a Hershey candy bar. And he gave it to her and he said, honey, every year that we're married, I'll add one to it. You have my word. And when I was growing up and after I'd gone, by the end, my dad was buying my mom 60 plus Hershey bars every year. There was always candy in her. He had to go to the little Hershey bars because he's like, man, it's sticking. It's too many. But you know, my dad built his life around his faith. He started his own business out of a friend's basement, built it up over 30 plus years, a refrigeration business, Will Heights Refrigeration, and um, took care of his family, prioritized God and his church family, and literally lived out biblical principles. He taught me to look to Jesus no matter what was going on in my life. And when I would turn to him when I was struggling or even in leadership at Central, when I was overwhelmed, I would call him and my dad would always point me to Jesus and always say those old sort of Texas parent, grandparent cliches. You know, this too shall pass. You know what I'm saying, right? This too shall pass. I got a call that he was in the hospital and they weren't sure what was gonna happen and it looked like this might be the end. And so I came back to Amarillo and uh, went to see him and he was sort of unconscious, but he would have these moments where he would be lucid all of a sudden and, and come to and, and uh, he would just say the craziest things. Like one point he, he opened, his, he's opened his eyes and looked at me and smiled and I thought, I think he recognizes me. And he goes, it's time to let her rip. <laughs> okay. But I knew what he was saying. My mom had already passed away. He had already told me he was ready to go home and be with the Lord. It's like I've already outlived all my brothers and family and friends. And, you know, he's like, I'm just, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to be with God. And another point, uh, he looked up at me and he said, it's about time to wrap this up. <laughs> yes, sir. At one point he got shocked by this defibrillator and he thought it was like restarting his heart. He thought it was keeping him alive. It wasn't, but he thought it was and it would hurt when it would zap him. So he'd been like totally non-responsive. All of a sudden this thing goes off and it zaps him and he sits up in the hospital bed and looks right at me and he says, you better get that heart doctor in here right now. I paid him a lot of money. He needs to turn this thing off. I should be dead by now. <laughs> Zap. That's how a master sergeant in the army gets ready to die. <laughs> Nurses eventually come out like they do and say, hey, you know, this is, this is the time. You need to go say your goodbyes. And so I went and knelt beside his bed and grabbed his hand. I'm holding his hand. And man, I just thanked him. I just thanked him for following Jesus. I went through a lot of crazy stuff as a kid. I thanked him for my addiction years, never giving up on me praying me through all of it, loving me, loving our family, being such a role model. I thanked him for the person that he had been. And even though he hadn't been responsive hardly at all, he just opened his eyes and looked at me like he heard everything I said. And he smiled and he said, you're good kids. I'm going for a walk in the sunshine. I'll see you on the other side. And those were the last things my dad said. 
And I think ever since that moment, I'm not the same man. There's not much that matters on your deathbed. It's certainly not your bank account. It's pretty much your relationship with God and your relationship with those people around your bed. Earlier today, Dr. Maxwell said that success is basically having the people that you love most love you. And I saw my dad achieve success. And ever since then, I walked out and I've just, I've been marked by that moment to say, God, I just want to live for you whatever days I have left. Because I've seen the end in my father's life and all this stuff we get caught up in doesn't matter. But Jesus matters. I'm here to serve him. I'm here to have an open hand. And as you go into this year, I hope you have the best year. Man, I hope you get your dreams. I hope God blesses you in ways that you can't even comprehend. But don't take your eyes off of him. Because whether he does or whether he doesn't, he's the king of all the rulers of the world. And we can look forward to his return and we can share in his victory. And that's gonna give your life meaning no matter what kind of circumstances you have to face. So friends, I wanna thank you for this opportunity. I'm excited for 2022. I'm excited for you and your life. Open your heart to Jesus and keep it open. Open your hand to him and keep it open and let him lead you and guide you. Jesus wins and we share in his victory. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you for the kindness and the love and the mercy that you show us every single day. We're so privileged to know you. We're so privileged to be able to serve you. God, we just confess the times when we've lost perspective, when we've put politics above you, or we've put the news above you, or we've put our own selfish ambition above you. And God, we turn from that, we repent of that. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we surrender to you fully. We ask you, use us and bless us for your glory and for your purpose. We commit ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.